1: Welcome to The Story Chunda, a podcast where six people tell true but unbelievable stories from their lives. Every week, we meet at Backdock Arts in Fortitude Valley for a live event, and these are the highlights of some of our favorite stories at The Chunda. My name is Matt Young, and I am your host. Our first Story Chunder was on the 3rd of February, 2020. And to be completely unique, we decided to use that ever-popular theme of firsts. As this is our first podcast, we are still learning, so if our audio levels are a little bit off, just bear with us this time. You've been warned. And our first storyteller for the evening is Henry Kafoa. Henry is an actor and singer here in Brisbane, as well as a singing teacher. And he decided to tell us the story of the first time that his grandfather saw him on stage in a musical. Enjoy the story-chanda!
2: Great! So my first day, it's a little bit tenuous, it is a first, but um, it's more of an excuse to tell the story. Um, so, uh, I'm going to tell you the story about the first time that my grandparents saw me do a show that wasn't like a school kind of get up and sing kind of thing. So uh, I went to the Conservatory uh, ages ago and I grew up in heads. So they maintain that it took them two and a half years to come and see me in a show because of the distance. It's about everyone knows what the distance is yet. Yeah? It's like an hour and a half away. It's not that far. But it is a bit of a pain. <laughs> I maintain uh, that my grandfather was boycotting the performances because he was waiting for us to do West Side Story. <laughs> no, I am serious. He loves West Side Story. For a, <laughs> for a birthday present, it would have been eight nine years ago. He got me the video West Side Story, like I never. But he got for me on VHS. Oh, <laughs> and this is well after DVDs came out. <laughs> oh He's like, every time I go to tell him we were doing a show, I'd be like, oh, we're going to do, we're doing Fit on the Oh, that's great. But
3: I just, I don't understand
2: why you can't do one of the classic shows. Like,
1: I don't know. My side's story Every
2: single six months, like every single show. So that's my theory about what I'm doing. But it got to our kind of our final year, and we were doing uh, Miss Side One, and I was playing Chris. So I gilded them hard that they had to come to this one, and they did, and I had all of my family coming to this one show. So I had them all in my like, front, kind of two rows, right where I did most of my singing and my actors. They had a like, perfect kind of view. And I had my grandparents, I had my mum, I had my dad, my dad's and my siblings, kids, um, and i singing to each everyone. Now, making kind of a to this, I am horrible when it comes to costumes and props. Like, I get more nervous about having to put clothes on on stage than I do about anything else I have to do. I'm just we did together, and the quick change that we had to do for that was the worst part of that entire show. Mm-hmm. I don't think I came on stage with my hands on problem once. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so recently gone, uh, there's a section where uh, Chris sings uh, Why Go Why, and it's just after he's met Kim, who was a love interest, they've kind of gone off together in a sexy time and they come back on me seems why do you yeah? So in that period of time, we've run off, I have this big change. It's like 15 seconds, 20 seconds, whilst Mother starts happening on stage with the engineer and stuff is changing. And I have to take off my jacket, put my jacket on the end of this bed, and then take off my shirt, and puts on a shirt that looks like mine. I take off my shoes, and then I have to take my pants like down around kind of my hips, get into bed. The idea being that they wanted me to get out of bed really quickly with uh, my pants on, so we just got a little tiny case for ass. Yeah? Just the smallest bit of butt crap as we kind of went. And then, I'm assuming all of you can kind of already guess this is. <laughs> <laughs> I then not get to sing the first, all the way up until the faster section, shirtless, which was horrible because everyone else had started going to the gym for this show and I had not. And I was the only one who went to sing shirtless too, so anyway. Um, and then the rest kind of went on. So we get turned out and my family are there. And it's going really well. I mean, it's only been like 10, 15 minutes of the show. But uh, I'm feeling quite good. We go off. We do the quick change. Everything's off. We're all kind of waiting. We've still got seconds to spare, So I'm like, yeah, it's going well. They start to kind of wheel the set piece on. The music kind of starts. I wake up. I do my thing. I look at Kim. Oh, I'm so in love. I turn around. And I go to get up. And I just, the only thing I could think of the moment is, my legs aren't working. Why I can't I can't stand up, and that went on for longer than I came to admit, <laughs> until I realised that one of my legs are is That my belt loop was stuck in the metal kind of mesh of the bed frame that we had for the bed. So I've just been stuck there, kind of moving the audience. For like you no, know, like, it gets better. It gets better. So <laughs> I realised this. I finally put. And you know, first you know the show. It's a long introduction. It's not. It's not particularly short. And about half of it is gone now. I've got to get this off. So <laughs> I can only describe what I did next as like a really awkward twerk to try and <laughs> off the bed. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of in halfway up. It's really gone. <laughs> Eventually. and I got five or six shakes in and it was, it was good. And then I turned around and I'm still singing while I'm trying to doing myself up and the rest of the show went kind of well. I'm also fine, all I can think about is that my grandparents are like right there, in the kind of <laughs> position. I forgot that the person who got the worst was our musical director, <laughs> so who unfortunately had to sit
1: there watching my ass. I like, oh
2: well. Um, we got to end the show, I finished, I kind of laughed about it, I was okay went to go talk to my family, and they were all nice, they were kind of avoiding the elephant in the room My I was saying, oh yeah, that no, was really nice, you did a good job, it was great to finally get up here And my grandmother was just quite quiet, uh, to the side So, <laughs> I turned to him, I was what do you think? And he took his egg and was like, yeah, yeah, look, it was good, but uh, mate, I'm glad that we took two and a half years to come here. I saw more than enough of you tonight." <laughs> the first time they saw me
1: Thank you, Henry. And I will not be able to get that image out of my mind for a long time. Our next storyteller is Judy Young. She's a television actress and an author. She's best known for playing Rhonda on Lunatics with Chris Lilly on Netflix. And Judy's gonna tell us a story about the first house that she ever purchased.
0: So my story is like, a bit of different anyone because it? it's kind of who I am. Um, So my first is going to be a bit of a metaphysical thing about the first time I brought my first home. And there are three phrases that get thrown around in life, especially when you go through a rough time, and they are, oh, don't worry, when one door shuts in your face, another one's going to open, and everything happens for a reason, or if the doors keep shutting in your face, it's just God sending you down the wrong path. And normally if you go through a rough time, it's you just want to punch the person that's telling you that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks, Karen, not helping. <laughs> but when I bought my first home, all of those three things kind of came into play, although I didn't realise it at the time. So I was living in a little studio flat, and I'd come into a bit of money, which is a whole other story about a random stranger who put a hundred grand into my account. No strings attached. Thank you. Open for a moment. <laughs> so I had this bit of loot, and I thought, well, i will go to a bigger house. And I, we'd all around Paddington and looked for a little townhouse. I found the perfect property. But uh, I got the keys. So it was up for rent, so I went and have a look. Fell in love with it. facing the, the courtyard. It was right beside the pool. My, I could see where I was going to put all my books in the downstairs office. it's pretty wall. Cool, so I'd done some publicity shots for something. I thought, there goes the vanity wall. This is going to be awesome. It all planned down. Went back to the agent. And I said, where's the application? And they said, well, there's three people ahead of you, so... And I said, like, well, why did you get me to send me there? Why did you bother? So I was really upset. Couldn't get this place out of my head. And then, short time later, I came mm-hmm. with a bit more money, thanks to this nice guy. <laughs> it's my book, you can buy it um, later. <laughs> see that? And so I went to this woman, I said, I'm going to go back to that age and I was really desperate for this house. And I said, look, when I read that, to buy it down the track. And they said, well, we'll look into that for you. So they tried to call the owner. She was overseas, she had got a job as a nanny in Italy, she was squatting around on a yacht. This was in 19, no, 2000, and the phones weren't as prevalent as they were there. They couldn't contact this owner on a yacht they said, Look, she's indetectable, sorry, you miss out. So for six months I tried to find another house. And I looked at houses and orchid flower and hilly and Nothing was as good as my house. Didn't have an all courtyard, courtyard, wasn't a pool, there was no good office, the vanity wall, where I could write the great Australian novel. Nothing was going to do it. I was really getting the socks. I did not get brave and I put an offer on a couple of homes. And at the last minute, something would happen. I would do something that was under me. And of course, I'm an impatient little girl. Every player that I've gone to decision, you know, i put on this earth to learn the It's not going to happen. So I'm out <laughs> putting offers on houses and nothing's happening. I'm just seeing my guardian angels up the gate. Can someone get over to do the young step? Just try and put the money down on another one. <laughs> get over there, sort it out. Gazumba. So I'm rushing around like a mad woman, making irrational decisions. And then one day I'm pooling along on my little V and I saw a real estate agent standing in front of a house. And for no reason at all, I pulled up. I think I saw he was with Ray White. And that's why I pulled up. And it was a big house, I couldn't afford it. But I just walked up to him, and I could hear him talking, and he was speaking on his phone in Spanish. And I had lived a couple of years in Ibiza, back in the days when it was a cool place to live. <laughs> 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 and I knew a bit of Spanish, so I said, you know, hola, me llamo Julie. And he was quite impressed. And so he said, oh, you speak Spanish, i oh. like, And we chatted a bit in Spanish, and I said, well, you're in charge of this house, it's up for. Now you have you've been doing it out six months ago. I can't get out of my head, I really want to buy it. Can you see if you can find the owner? Really, really long shop, almost an impossibility. And which is what he told me. So I sort of went home and he liked me because I spoke Spanish frankly. So I went home, thought nothing more of it. Four hours later he rang me. And oh, by the way, he had said to me, if you get the sales, what would you pay for it? And I said, look, another one recently sold for $185 in that block. This one's three levels, the extra bedroom, I'll go to $250. And he said, all right. So I'll be there that night. Calls me back four hours later, and he said, here's what? And I said, what? And he said, the owner's going to take two hundred thousand and fifty dollars dollars And I was like, what now? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I said, is that right? Because I think it came from the verse or something. And I said, I don't get the figure. And he said, well, you'll never guess what happens. She arrived this morning on a flight. She lost her job in Europe. She was stony broke, borrowed money to come back to Australia. Got off the flight, but she got the travel button. She just wanted money. She wanted to get back out and see the world. That morning, I woke up, asked about the house. And, she's, and because he spoke to me first, and that's not Spanish. <laughs> he put, said that I was offering 200000 not two hundred fifteen, but to make her feel like she had to win, he said, let's add 50 bucks off. So oh you win. <laughs> and I said, well, that's so sweet, because I, you could know, have made more money and more, what do you call it, commission off my hire. And I said, yeah, look, I like you, and I'm working for you, because you've got to be fast. So I said, like, cool. So within 24 hours, I was signing a contract. So for me, all those times I got bizarre, and things were happening, Needs me, it's like the universe is just going, Fox, (laughs) 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 be patient girl, your house is not quite ready, the owner's not quite ready, but it's coming, we're putting it all together for you. So my message to you all is, whatever part of actors, writers, directors, performers, accountants, if anything's going wrong, doors are slamming in your face, just stop and take a breath, show patience and say, yourself, what is being prepared for me?
1: To buy Judy Young's book *Living with Lucy*, visit her website at www.judyyoung.co. And don't forget to watch Judy in the hilarious *Lunatics* on Netflix. Our final storyteller is O'Reilly Rock. Ray is originally from the United States, but lives here in Brisbane where she can be seen later in the year in Pluto, The Immersive Experience with Brisbane Immersive, as well as various concerts and theatrical productions. Enjoy Ray's story about one of the first times she suffered a case of mistaken identity.
3: Um, Alright, well, I'm going to tell you the story. <laughs> if you know me at all, you know that I don't ever get on stage without at least one crackdown in my head. <laughs> um, this happened... myself just a little bit. Tell me I'm looking up later, please, later. Um, but uh, I'm from Beauty the Beast at uh, a place called China Mission Theatre the Park, back in Kansas. Yes, that's where I'm from. No, I don't have a dog named Toto. and no, I don't have Marie Slippers. Don't fucking ask me again. <laughs> um, so, I was playing Babette, the feather duster. And um, to give you a little bit of clarity on this, when we did the costume uh, uh, parade, Losing all my words. Not the alcohol, I promise you. That's <laughs> just me. Um, I remember thinking, oh, this is a little bit like my cut for such a sexy character. Oh, is so sexy. Uh, but I went, oh, you disney. No, no big deal. So I went to the director, and she goes, that's great. I like it. Um, two words, one to bra. What with it! Run with it! Run with the words. So I did. And I got, like, corset. And, I mean, everything underneath that costume was. <laughs> not Disney. <laughs> so, uh, after the show, we used to do this thing uh, where the adult cast would not help with strike. We would all hang out in the parking lot, and we would take like a hammer, or 2x4, and we called it Walking with a Purpose. And once you turned 21, you got to graduate into the Walking with a Purpose Club. And the idea is, you go sit, somebody's got a cooler full of beer, and... One person walks a purpose, comes back, and the idea of walking with purpose is when you get tagged in, and somebody into that hammer, you got to walk across the backstage with that hammer going, I'm going to take this somewhere. This has gotta be, I got to be, don't talk to me, i got some to be. This hammer trying to get someplace. And you go all the way to the end of the stage, you go all the way back, and then pass off somebody else so that nobody knows that like 20 people are missing from the entire set of infrastructure. So we did that for a bit. A friend of mine tells me, oh, we're going to head off to TGI Fridays. Yeah, we used to go there. And uh, I, in a bit of dumbness, went to uh, the wrong one. Way the fuck out and BFE. That's I also passed okay. that okay. <laughs> <standards. laughs> um, So I realized that they meant the one right next to the theater. <laughs> I was 20. Oh, no. So I decided at three all the way back because surely TGF Fridays is open until 3 a.m. freaking Saturday. That's logic. Again, it's 20-year-old logic. That's not logic at all. <laughs> so I'm driving, along on the highway, and I go to look over the hump to see, into the parking lot, to see if there's any cars there. And as I do, I veer slightly. And I'm like, ah oh, shit, oh, i such an idiot. Oh, and wouldn't it be shitty if there was a car behind me? There was. They pulled me over. And the TGI Fridays empty parking lot. And they said, what are you doing here? I'm in full stage makeup. Full, not just stage makeup. We're talking now beyond sexy Disney Feather Bad, Bad, duster. I looked at Karen Walker when she was 20. There's a lot going on. There's a lot, there's a lot going on up here and here. So I tell them, like, yeah, I can believe this, but I was just said, TGI Fridays on the other side of town. So I decided to come out here, and then I was like, I told them the full truth. Oh yeah, I just was looking, and I'm here, because I'm a crappy driver, and they went, yeah, I'm going to need you to take a breathalyzer, please, so I went, oh, great, sure, um, totally fine to do so, and they went, we're going to actually have to wait, because I don't have one, but I'm going to call my friend, another cop, to come, but you can't get back in your car, it's three in the morning, I'm just sitting in an empty parking lot, I'm just sitting on the tail of my car, just like, so? reacted, and <laughs> I was like, oh, I was actually in a show. I was in Beauty and the Beast, just around the corner. She's like, get the fuck out of here. I was running security for that. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> So she doesn't <laughs> let me go anyway. Um, she, the second cop comes in, gives me the breathalyzer. What's the BAC? again it's like We don't have the zero tolerance policy in the States. It's um, we, yeah, point 0.5 or 0.6 or, or something. You can yeah. have yeah. like a drink, but you know, don't be dumb. So I was yeah. well underneath the limit. But they still made me, uh, they still said we can't allow you to drive. Legally, they shouldn't have been able to say that, but you know, for safety reasons. But they decide, "Can kind we? Of, hey, um, do you mind if we just kind of search your car? And i went, like, I actually have nothing, I have nothing on it. That, I've had it, go for it. Also, good luck, because I live in my car. <laughs> I live in my car. You have to sit cross-legged in my car because there's so much crap. <laughs> so they go through it for a bit, and they pull out an empty beer can, because my friends are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> my friends, at some point, drank in my car without me realizing behind me, and then just went, I'm just going to hide this
0: thing know.
3: So the cop goes, I'm just going to take this and put it in the <laughs> Never happened.
0: Never happened. Nicest cops ever. This is the longest story. I'm so sorry. Um, I did not practice.
3: I got into their the back of their car and they said well, we just want to drop you at a safe location we don't want to leave you in an empty parking lot at three in the morning that seems odd." so they took me to an international house hey, of pancakes baby <laughs> <laughs> I called my friend um uh, one of my old housemates in college and said as weird as this sounds, I need you to come fucking get me, even though I'm not drunk and able to drive my car. And would you mind driving half an hour to come fucking get me at 3 in the morning? Thank God for young people being up at 3 (laughs) a.m. So, she's on her way. They just drop me off at the iPod. I go walk in, I order a glass of water and some toast, just so I can not be the pain in the ass of every server that's like, I'm just here for no reason. So. That's all I ordered. There's a bunch of younger kids, I say younger, they must have been also in their twenties, younger than me now, uh, that were they partying for some money kind of reason. And about two minutes after I sat down and ordered my beautiful cocktail of water and toast, one of them comes up and he sits across from me from the booth and he goes, he goes, Hey, <laughs> hey, can I help you? He goes, um, How much? <laughs> For what? He goes, oh my. Do you think I'm a prostitute? And he goes. It's at that point I remember. I'm wearing a shirt that has cowgirl on it, That she's going top of all that stage makeup, makeup the Karen Walker hair and this sexy fucking t-shirt that I'm wearing I went ha, 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 I actually get it that makes sense and that's the end of my story yeah.
1: so thanks for listening to the first episode of the story chunder podcast be sure to follow us on all social networks at at the story chunder And subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform. We look forward to seeing you soon with more stories of unbelievable true tales from Brisbane, Australia with the story Chanda. Thanks for listening. So, thanks for listening to the first episode of the Story Chunder Podcast. So, thanks for listening to us. So, thanks for listening to the first episode of the Story Chunder Podcast.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen,